Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. So good to see you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30, and I'll read the entire psalm here in just a minute. It's a shorter psalm. So. Um, I don't mean to start off in such a negative note, but I want you to consider the contrast of what it is that I'm saying and, and the point that I'm trying to make because I've read several news stories over the past few months that are just devastating about how desperate some people can get and how they, they, they just let this desperation lead them to such extremes. Back in August, I read a story about it happened in Oklahoma City. There was a jogger who was going down the street and found a vehicle where a father and three sons were there, and the police had determined that the father shot the three sons and then shot himself. I read another story in September in Maryland where a husband, some family found this family, and a husband had shot his wife and his three kids and then himself. And, you know, I wish that I could say that these were isolated incidents, but you want, it makes you wonder why. How could someone get to a place where they think that those thing, things are just so bad that that is the only recourse? How can you think that there, there isn't more above what your problems are? How could you get to such desperation that you would go to such extreme measures? You know, we, we call the, this feeling of, of hopelessness and helplessness that you would go to such extremes, we call it the word despair. It, it's like you're in a pit and you can't get out of it. And, you know, I would love to say that God's people are immune to despair, but we're not. And if that feeling kind of describes you, I want you to know that you are not alone and that God does see and that God does care. And I want you to know that you don't have to hold on to your despair or flip it around the other way. Despair doesn't have to hold, have its hold on you either. And especially during the Christmas season. Because, you know, during the Christmas season, a lot of despair happens and, and depression and such. And so what I've been doing this Christmas season, kind of the sermon series that I've been talking about, it has to do with a gift exchange, kind of using the picture of Okay, what happens on December 26th? You, ha you got some gifts, and they didn't fit, or they were the wrong color, or whatever, so what do you do? You go to the store and exchange them, or you send them back to Amazon and uh, exchange them. Well, we Christians sometimes take on attributes, and we, we take on dispositions that are not spiritually healthy for us. And so what we need to do is we need to exchange those for those attitudes and dispositions that will help us grow and help us to be healthy in a spiritual manner. And so, for example, we exchange our worry for trust. We exchange our hurt for comfort. Well, today I want to talk about despair. Despair is one of those temperaments that very much halts your walk with God through Jesus Christ. So it's important that we, we deal with it. I mean, people do struggle, especially during Christmas time. People struggle with these things. And so what I want us to take away from the study that we're doing in Psalm 30 today is that in spite of the circumstances 
that might lead us to that point, that might lead us to that despair, God will give you joy. He can still gift you with joy. And, and so I want you to make that exchange. I want you to know that you don't have to be stuck in despair. Joy is possible because it comes from God through Jesus Christ. So I want you to have that. And, you know, we notice we're reading Psalm 30 here. We find that a man after God's own heart, David, even he could have this despair. But then he also knows that from God comes joy. And so I want us to see what, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what David had to say about this as I read Psalm 30. And so if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these 12 verses. Written by David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David said, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would understand what David is going through and where he stood because he trusted in you. And Lord, I just pray that we always remember that. You are a God to be trusted. You are a God who loves. You are a God who saves. And so may we always run to you with everything going on in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So, in verses 6 through 8, David gives us a little bit of a glimpse of the circumstances that brought him to this point where he was falling into uh, despair. Uh, because David is telling us that God made him prosperous, and that prosperity made him a little bit conceited and prideful and self-sufficient, and so God sent a trial that brought him down a few notches. But you know, and it was a hard trial, and he was falling down. It felt like he was falling into the pit, but he wouldn't allow himself to stay there. He knew that through God uh, that hope was possible. He wouldn't allow himself to fall into that constant hopelessness. He turned to God, and, and so things may happen in our lives. It could be God's discipline, like David was going through. It could just be circumstances that happened to us from a fallen world. We are in a fallen world. Circumstances happen. Bad things happen. They drag us down. But just because we have circumstances that are trying to drag us down doesn't mean we have to stay down. Doesn't have to mean we, we stay there. Because God, even in the midst of it all, can gift us with joy. And so there's two questions I just want to answer really quickly today 
about exchanging despair uh, for joy. And the first question I want to talk about is how does God give us joy? What does God do? What does David say that God did in his life that, that brings us up out of that despair? And, and it allows us to live with true joy because there's a difference. True, there's a difference between true joy and merely tolerating your, your life. You know, a lot of people think that, well, if I can just tolerate things, you know, that, that's good enough. But, I mean, God actually does offer true joy. And we find that we, this joy comes despite the circumstances because our circumstances may never change. There's no promises that while we're on this earth that the circumstances will change. We know that when the Lord takes us from this earth, we'll be with him and circumstances will definitely change. But while we're on this earth, circumstances might not change. But you know what? That doesn't mean God doesn't work in our lives. And joy comes from recognizing God working in our lives. Well, what does David say that God did for him? And how that, might that be an encouragement for us that we too can have this joy? Well, first, David talks about the fact that God lifts us above our circumstances. He lifts us up. So we might still be in the circumstance, but God lifts us up. Now, in our, in our psalm, David, he used a whole lot of imagery about being in a very deep, dark hole. So, for example, in, in verse 3, he talks about, you know, it, it's like being in Sheol, is what the ESV says. The word is sometimes translated as grave. It's a word that the Hebrews used that described the place of the dead. So it could be a reference both to you know, the body being in the ground, the grave, but it also could be a reference to the abode of the dead after death. And, and so he's using this language. I mean, it might be literal, it might be figurative, but, you know, that he was brought to the brink of death, or at least that's what it seemed like to him. Either literally or metaphorically, he was brought to the brink of death. And then verses 3 and 9, they use parallel images. He talks about the pit. Deep, dark hole, a pit. You know, that's why we call it a pit of despair because despair makes you feel like you're in a pit, like you're in the abode of the dead. You're, you're in a hole, you're in the abyss. You're surrounded by darkness. But in verse one, David says that God has drawn him up. That's the ESV translation. Some of your translations might say that God lifted him up. The word is used of drawing water up from a well. And so just like a shepherd would put the bucket down to the bottom of the well and then draw up or lift up the bucket so he could water his sheep and, you know, get water for himself. In the same way, we're in this pit, God draws us up. He lifts us up. And it's somewhat repeated in verse 3 where David says God brought him up. From Sheol, God is a God who lifts up. And why this is so important and why this is so encouraging is, yes, you know what? We may go through a season where we feel like we are in a pit. We're in that darkness. But we remember, God does not leave his children in the pit. God will not abandon his children to Sheol. If you belong to Jesus Christ, there is going to come a time when God will lift you up. It might not be in your timing. It might not be in the way that you think he should do things. 
You know, because we're very quick to have our own opinion on what we think God should do to help our own situation, aren't we? Yeah, God, I don't like the way you're handling this. I have a better idea. But no, God, God may not do things in the way we expect, but there is hope. God will lift us up. Even if it isn't until the time of our death and we are brought into his presence in heaven. But we, just the sheer knowledge of having a God who will not abandon us to our circumstances, that is a constant source of joy. Yeah, you know what? I'm going through a trial right now. But I have a God who is going to lift me up. He lifts us up above our circumstances. I mean, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. I mean, there's nothing that Satan, the world, can throw at us that if we are a child of God, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, he will lift us up at some point, whatever our circumstances might be, just like he did David. Just like David said, this is what God did for me. I was down in the pit, God lifted me up. But secondly, we see also that it's a source of joy from God is that God will heal our souls. God heals our souls. God doesn't allow our souls to remain in this sickness from our time in the pit. The psalmist says, in, David says in verse 2, that God healed him. Now, we know that ultimately when we go to heaven, we're going to be healed. I mean, completely healed. Right? We're told in, in Revelation, you know, no more sickness, no more death, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, and things like that. But God heals us in various ways here on earth as well. And we need that. We, we, we need that because, you know, physically we, we need, you know, healing and, and relief. If you have had a day where you've worked hard physically, you might have a physically straining job and you come home and every inch of your body aches, you know, you do various things to ease the pain, to heal the hurt. You might take medicine, you might use a heating pad, you might, you know, take a hot bath or something to help the body rejuvenate. Well, you know what? Our soul goes through a lot also. Especially when we're going through trying circumstances in life. You know, our soul goes through a lot of wear and tear. And that's what kind of, you know, leads us toward the pit. I mean, I just, my soul is, just feels like it's being rip, ripped apart. But you know what? God heals us. He heals our souls. I mean, yes, God can heal physically if he so chooses, but I'm talking about God heals the soul. You know, God might, there's various ways God might do that. God might use an encouraging Bible verse to ease some of the ache. He might use a, a, encouraging word a positive word from a brother or sister in christ he might remind you of his presence in nature you know you you see a sunrise and you're like that's a reminder to god god he's with me he's not going to leave me in the pit you know might be you see your favorite bird or something you know just all these things that god can do to ease the ache to heal the soul you know there's a lot of negative in the world that sickens our souls but God lifted us up out of the pit. He heals the sickness of our soul. And we have joy. We can have joy knowing that, you know what? Yeah, there might be some soul sickness going on here, but God heals. And we look for the healing and we see the way that God heals. What happens a lot of times, I don't know if you know people like this. You know, they're sick. 
and the doctor tells them some sort of treatment or medicine to help them with their sickness, well, what do they do? They, they refuse to take the treatment, and so they remain sick. And then they're like, I don't get it. Why am I still miserable? Take your medicine. The doctor is telling you what to do. Well, here's the thing. I know a lot, a lot of Christians, too, they do the same things to their souls. God offers ways of healings. Again, not in their time and not in the way that they think, but God does offer this. They offer different ways of little healing, something here and something there, but they, they're blind to it. And they decide to stay in the pit. No, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in the pit. I'm used to being in the pit. So I don't care, you know, God's doing this for me and that for me and all these little things. God is sending my way to heal my soul. I, I'm going to stay in, in the pit. That makes no sense. Don't blind yourself to the ways that, uh, of healing that God places in your life. Allow the divine physician to do his work of therapy upon you. And in that healing, you're going to find joy. God, he's healing your soul. You'll find joy. And closely related to this third, God restores our vitality. He restores our vitality. You know, it, it, it's in the pit of despair, moving toward the pit of despair. It's like the energy has been just zapped out of us. But David says in verse 3, you restored me to life. Just when, just when you think that the world and your circumstances are just going to suck the life right out of you, God puts that life right back in. Just when you think you are completely done, your life is drained, God fills you back up. Our God is a source of life. I mean, there's a reason Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He puts life into your soul when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because before Christ, you were in your sin. You may have been physically alive, but you were spiritually dead. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes you alive. A spiritual resurrection occurs. Looking forward to the physical resurrection. Now think about this. If God can give life to the dead at conversion, that means that he can restore life when it seems to be drained from us in all the hardships and circumstances of life. I mean, whatever we go through, God can just bring that life back to us. I mean, we're reminded of what God said through the prophet Joel, that God restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Whatever life or circumstances or Satan or even God's discipline may have taken out of us, God is able to reestablish and refresh and refurbish and rejuvenate. Our God is a God of life. He has given us the spirit of life, and whatever the darkness may have stolen from us to lead us toward that despair, God can give it back through this revitalization, through a restored life. And we find joy. We find joy. And then we also see, number four, God reminds us these earthly things, these circumstances are temporary. These things that we go through are temporary. Verse 5 reminds us that whatever circumstances, whatever's driving us to the pit of despair, these are temporary for the believer. The darkness is not permanent for the one who belongs to God through Jesus Christ. And that's an important distinction. Because these promises of joy 
and life and healing are for those who have believed in Jesus Christ. For those who have not believed, you're not able to get yourself out of that pit and find joy. Joy is only found in Jesus Christ. Until you surrender to him, you will not get out of the pit. You will not find joy. But for the child of God, the one who's come to faith in Jesus Christ, whatever you feel, whatever you're going through, it is not forever. It is not eternal. It might last days. It might last months. It might last years. It might even last decades, but it won't last forever. It's not going to last forever. So whatever David was going through, and we know it, it was a discipline from God for, I don't know, whatever sin he committed, whether it was, I'm thinking it's at the end of his life when he did that census of his military might. But um, God, uh, you know, David felt the, the discipline of God on his life. But even David says here, the anger of God is only for a moment. But then he says that, that, that the favor of God, you got the anger of God, that's a moment, but the favor of God is a lifetime, and that includes the afterlife. I mean, no matter where you are on earth or in heaven, God's favor follows you. You are ever in the favor of God if you're a child of God through Jesus Christ. So the bad circumstance, you know, that's, that's temporary. It's a moment yeah, but what if I'm struggling with it for a lifetime? Yeah, your lifetime, what, what does the Bible say about our life? It's a vapor. It's a drop in the bucket. Your life on earth, if you're given 70, 80, 90, 99 years, that is minuscule in comparison to all of eternity. It's temporary. Whatever you're going through is temporary. He says that weeping, the weeping that comes from the circumstances, it's only for a night. It's for a fixed, small amount of time. But joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. You have this circumstance that's leading you toward the pit of despair, but guess what? It's always followed by joy, just like morning follows evening. So whatever you're going through that makes you feel like you're in the pit, you're moving toward the pit, just remember, it's, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to follow you into eternity. And that is a source of joy, knowing that this isn't going to last forever. There's going to come a day when I'm with Jesus, my King, forever. And then there's nothing stopping our joy then. But until then, you can have joy now. You can exchange your despair for joy. So joy comes from God. Remember, joy comes from God. And our circumstances really have nothing to do with it. Joy comes from knowing that God will lift us out of the pit. He heals us. He revitalizes us. He comforts us with the remembrance that these, these circumstances are temporary, but God's favor is eternal. If you're a child of God, God's favor is with you eternally. This is our joy. This is the joy that we find in Christ. It has nothing to do with the change of circumstance. I will have joy when my circumstances change, we say. That's not how it works. We find joy in God through Jesus Christ, whatever's going on around us, because we know what our God can do. It's all about allowing God to work in our lives. We find joy when we let God be God, and he's doing that work in our lives. 
But then the next question I kind of want to look at is, you know, what do we do with this joy? Okay, we find this joy, what do we do? So the second question is, what is our response to this joy? We have this joy. What does it, what does it do? What, where does it lead us? Um, you know, we, we, we give God our despair. We exchange it for his joy. He does this work of joy in us. Okay, so what is our response? What do we do? Well, first, just express the joy that God gives. Just let it flow. Let it come out of you. When you have joy that comes from God, don't hold it in. Don't hide it. If you're holding it in and hiding it, I guess you don't really have it to, to begin with. Because when something amazing happens in your life, I mean, the, the natural thing is it just kind of shows and it's just there. It, it, it shines through us. Some, we, something happens to us, you know, it's just kind of on display. We just glow with it. And in verse 5, David says that joy will come in the morning. The, the word that's used there for joy, it's a word for a shout of jubilation, I guess is, is technically what it means, a cry of jubilation. I mean, it just means you, 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 you get it, and you're like, God is so good to me, and it just comes out. Woo! Yeah! Amen! Woo! I mean, it might not be exactly like that. I mean, but, you know, it just kind of expresses itself. It shows. It just is there. It's glowing from you. It's flowing out of you because um, in verse 11, David says that God turned his mourning into dancing. I know, Baptists hate that verse. But, you know, you just kind of, you got to, I mean, you might not dance dance, but you got to pep in your step, okay? Maybe we'll go there. There's something, you know, it says that it changed from wearing sackcloth to gladness. You know, when, when, when the Jews would be in mourning, I mean, it was expressed. I mean, everyone knew you were in mourning. You, everyone knew you were in despair. Because what they would do is they would change their regular clothes to sackcloth. I mean, that's like wearing burlap. I mean, itchy and rough and, and, and things like that. I mean, people saw you were in mourning because, I mean, the signs are there. Joe, he's over there. He's mourning. Look at him. He's wearing sackcloth. He's got ashes on his head. He's depressed. He's in despair. I mean, everyone saw it. Well, David says, well, you know what, just like, okay, so the mourning and the despair is on display. When you have joy of the Lord, it's there. That gladness is just showing. As he, he lifts you up and he heals you and he, he restores you. It, it just shows it's, it's coming, coming out of you. You know, next week we're going to receive presents, and so what do we do with our presents? We hide them in a closet. Well, No. They're just kind of, we, we display them. They're just kind of there, you know? We get clothes, guess what? We're going to be wearing them. We get a gadget, everyone's going to see us using that gadget or whatever. Or, you know, we, we're going to post it on social media, not to brag or anything like that, but kind of out of thankfulness and happiness. It's just kind of on display. You know, the world, it has its evil and it has its wickedness and it has its darkness. It gives us, the world gives us reasons for, for despair. And boy, we're good at displaying that. We're, we're good at showing how bitter and sorrow and in despair we are. Why, if we don't hold back our expressions of despair, why would we hold back our expressions of joy 
Because we have a God who loved us so much that he sent his only son and he works in our life and he lifts us up and he heals us and he, he restores us. When we have joined the Lord, it's going to, to show itself when we go into public and we have this joy. I mean, it's not going to look like we've been sucking on a lemon all week. You don't go out in public, you don't come to church like, I got, I got Jesus. And if I got Jesus, I got joy. And we just, it shines. It expresses itself. You can't help but notice someone who has Jesus and the joy of Jesus, and it's, it's, it's coming out. Our joy in the Lord will, will show itself. So just, just let the joy of the Lord flow out of you. But David also shows, secondly, that we are to continually pray for the joy that God gives. Just constantly pray for it. Um, because we need to constantly pray for it. The world is constantly bombarding us with evil and wickedness and darkness and all, all that other stuff. It's relentless. It never gives up. The world is constantly just throwing its stuff at us. So even when we have joy in the Lord, sometimes the enemy is going to try and come and take it from us. You know, we, we like to say steal our joy or, or, or whatever. He tries to come and, and take that away from us. The only way to get to constantly be filled with the joy of the Lord is to be constantly in communion with him, in fellowship with him, and praying to him. Praying, Lord, constantly fill me with your joy. The world is throwing this, that, and the other thing at me. You know what? Fill me with your joy anyway. I mean, this is what David did throughout the psalm. In verse 2, he said, I cried to you for help. He's crying out. In verse 8, David says, to you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. In verse 10, David cries out, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. David knew that God is the only source of joy, and he wanted to be near the source. And so to be near the source, he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray, and he would pray. You know, show me a joyless Christian, I'll show you a prayerless Christian. As circumstances wear us down and all of a sudden we're allowing the joy to leak out, so to speak, we just need a constant refresher of joy. We need to just keep going back to the source of joy and being filled with joy. Think of it this way. So a few years ago when I want, uh, went and bought my truck, went to the dealership, bought the truck. So what did the, what did the dealership do? They, they cleaned the truck and they filled it up, ready to go, off the lot. Well, suppose, okay, I drive the truck off the lot and then a week later, all of a sudden, it stops working. And so I get a mechanic to come look at my truck, and the, and the mechanic says, you're out of gas. Why didn't you go to the gas station and just fill it up? And I say, well, I didn't think I had to. The dealership filled it up that one time. I just figured that, well, one time is good enough for a lifetime, so there you go. The mechanic explains to me, thinking in his mind, what an idiot, he says, that's not how it works. You just need to constantly go to the pump and get filled up with gas so you can keep going. It's the same with joy. I mean, joy is not like, um, you know, like a vaccine or something. You get one shot of joy and, oh, I'm good for the rest of my life. No, we, we, we go to the throne of God constantly, praying. I mean, I hope you don't... 
I mean, it's a weird analogy, but I mean, you know, get your joy meter filled back up or your joy tank or I don't know how you want to put it, but you know, you, you constantly go back to God, pray, pray, pray to be filled with that joy and remain filled. Another response, number three, is that we praise God for the joy that he gives. We praise God for the joy he gives. When, when we see how he works in our lives, giving us joy in our despair, I mean, we cannot help but worship him. That is our response. God has worked in my life. Yeah, my circumstances might still be bad, but in spite of my circumstances, he gives me joy. I know he's going to lift me up. I know he's going to heal me. I know he's going to restore me. And he does. I know these things are temporary. Praise God. Praise God, he gives me joy. You know, I mean, we look at what, what David did. In verse 1, David says, I will extol you, O Lord. That word extol, it means to lift, lift up, exalt, to lift up. You know, if, if you think about what he's saying there in verse 1, he's saying, I will lift your name on high in worship and praise because you lift me up out of the pit. He lifts us up, so we lift him up in praise. In verse 4, David says, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. In verse 12, David says, my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David went through a lot of rough times and a lot of different times in his life. He kept praising God, knowing God is a source of joy. And so that's our default response to God doing that in our lives, to God doing anything in our lives. We praise him. We worship him. I mean, especially for the joy. You know, there, there's a million reasons plus on this earth to despair. It might not even be personal reasons. I mean, just the garbage that's going on in the world is enough to drag you down. I mean, you read the news and you're, you're like, oh my goodness, come Lord Jesus, this place is going nuts. Lord, do you see... Do you see what's going on down here? I mean, and you're just, want to throw up your hands. Politics, what they're doing to the kids, man's inhumanity, man, all that. And, but even in the midst of all of the garbage going on around us and even the stuff going on in our lives, God gives joy. If it wasn't for God, what he did through Jesus Christ would be joyless, we'd be hopeless, but we have Christ Therefore, we have joy, we have hope. And because we have that, we praise him. Because he gives that joy, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. But finally and quickly, fourth, we, we tell others about the joy that God gives. We tell others that they too can have this joy that is found in Jesus Christ. What an amazing joy it is. In verse 9, you know, David is reasoning with God not to let him stay in the pit. Now, Lord, don't keep me in the pit because if I stay in the pit, I mean, what profit is there? I mean, who's going to praise you? Who, who's going to praise you from the pit? And the final phrasing is interesting. I mean, it's like, who, okay, who's going to tell of your faithfulness, Lord, if I'm stuck here in the pit? And the word there for faithfulness also is related to the word for truth. So he's saying, so who's going to tell the truth about you, Lord, if I'm, I'm stuck in the pit? So that means that if, when God lifts you out of the pit and you have the joy of the Lord, you have something to tell. You have something 
to say you have experienced the truth of who God is. You have experienced the truth of what He does. Nothing that the world can do. Those who are in the pit of lostness need to know the joy of salvation. There's joy in salvation. But then, you know, those Christians who are going through a rough time, they need to know too, there is hope for joy. And there is joy. And we point them back to Christ. So we're sharing a great truth. And we're not silent about it. You know, there, there was this pastor friend of mine who lost a ton of weight. And he, he got all ripped and, I mean, everything. He lost a ton of weight. He is in amazing shape. He found a system that worked for him and worked for a lot of others. So what did he do? He kept silent about it and he didn't tell anyone about it. No. He was all over social media talking about this amazing transformation. Look, look what I found. Now, obviously, I didn't listen to him. Because the system does involve a buku amount of money. But he didn't keep silent about it. He found truth. He found that. I, I found joy. I may not have found the, you know, how to be in shape, but I found joy. I found the truth of where joy comes from. I found the truth of what joy can do in your life. I found the truth of how you can get rid of your despair. Exchange your despair for this joy of the Lord. The world needs to hear that. And we have it. If we have Jesus, we have that. There's a whole world out there that's in the pit. And they need to know God can lift them up. God can heal them. God can restore them. God will give them joy. He can for you too. I'll, I'll kind of close with this thought. I mean, we're singing all these Christmas hymns. It is Christmas season. One of my favorite hymns is Joy to the World. I mean, there is reason for joy. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. The source of joy. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and you know, so on and so forth. Our joy comes from King Jesus, who came to earth to be our Savior, to lift us and to heal us, and to restore us, reminding us that, yeah, this is a fallen world. But what happens in this world is temporary if you come to God through Him. Now, if you don't come to God through Him, you think this is a pit of despair. You don't want to go into eternity without this source of joy. So if you are a Christian, if you have found the source of joy, then express it and, 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 and praise God for it and pray constantly that he would fill you with that joy and tell others, you know what, you can have this joy too. You know, the, those are kind of bookends, expressing the joy and then sharing the joy. Because guess what? If you're not expressing the joy and you start telling someone about the joy, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. If you're looking like, you know, you sucked on a lemon all week and you say, you can have joy in Jesus. Yeah, I'll pass, thanks. 
I mean, if people are going to listen to you about that joy, you need to have the joy. You got to let that joy flow out of you. And we do have joy in Jesus. But you know what? We do go through those times of despair. We do go through those dark times. We, are, we go, do go through those times when we are in the pit. And so Christian, you, you, you come to the Lord and you pray to him and say, Lord, I'm falling. Lift me up. Heal me. Restore me. Just constantly remind me of your word and, and that the, this world is temporary. Maybe Christian, you need to come to the altar this morning and you put your despair at his feet and you allow him to give you his joy, to clothe you with his joy. Let him take off the sackcloth and put joy on you. But if you're not a Christian, you will never be able to find joy. This world does not give joy, period. It only comes through Jesus Christ. And so give your life to Christ. Not only do you have joy, you have peace, you have hope, and you have life, eternal life. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.